Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we're pleased to be coming to you from a spring day in Sioux City, Iowa. Spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. It's a great we day. We had a service day at the school the other day, and one of the activities was chalking the sidewalks all over the place, and there are all sorts of quotes like that lining the sidewalk of Galen Catholic. Spring has sprung. Be it, kind. Spread kindness like confetti. You know? Just gets you in the mood. So let me understand this. One of the service projects was to go just oh. spread cheer with chalk. Is that the, the idea? Deal. When <laughs> when, uh, when unforeseen uh, pandemics strike, sometimes your plans are changed. Sure. And the service day from the fall sure. didn't happen in the fall. Well, usually raking leaves is probably 98% of what happens on the service right. day. Right. There's not a lot of leaves left on the ground after the snow melts. Not so much. Maybe two or three. A couple sticks are around. But uh, our campus minister had to be creative with service projects. Oh, that's so a good in, idea. In the middle of kind of doing some service projects, I think one group was given the task of chalking the sidewalks with spring cheer. All over town. Different places. Okay. I think in some Different neighborhoods. The neighborhoods of Lamar's, yeah. Okay. There's really so many of them <laughs> with their distinct personalities. Sure, yeah. sure. That's not exactly correct. Sure. Yeah. West side, south side, all of that. Well, actually, Lamar's, there is a very distinct cultural uh, divide between the sides of the tracks. That's one of those towns. It's true. That's, very, that's what has historically divided the two parishes of that city. Right. The two churches now, church sites. Excuse me. You're right. right. Worship you. centers. Worship centers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, very good. Well, congratulations on your service day. That's Thank great. You. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you pulled up today with some new wheels. <laughs> Tell me about that, Father. There's a, there's a little story behind that. So, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm currently driving for the, uh, really, just like one more day, this large 4x4 GMC Sierra uh, black truck. Ooh. Pretty nice pickup, as they'd say here. So beastly. Um, I normally drive a soccer mom Equinox. Uh-huh. That's usually my, my ride when I'm not cruising around on the moped but i was headed down to omaha a couple couple days ago and large large piece of plastic flew out of a semi truck (laughs) right and that should have come after i told you what happened because it was one of those where you couldn't avoid running over this piece of plastic right right run over the plastic whatever you know, you run over things sometimes, an animal, whatever it might be. In the Midwest, an uh, I got sometimes <laughs> things pop out. A dead Coyotes, raccoons. Once when I was a kid, this is really pathetic. I was driving, I was probably only had like a driver's permit like when I was 14 or something. Pocahontas County, Iowa, where I grew up, is extremely flat. I, mm-hmm. I really I really can't blame this on a hill. Mm-hmm. But I was just still kind of timid in my driving abilities. And there was <laughs> there was a dead deer in the middle of the lane of, okay. a, of a two-lane, 55-mile-per-hour county blacktop. Right. And there was a slight rise in the landscape. And as I came over this little hill, I just saw this thing. And I had been kind of told before, it's like, this is a dead raccoon. You just straddle the raccoon and drive over the top of it. No big deal. Right. Well, I kind of thought, well, it's just a big raccoon. Ooh. 
enormous deer. And I just <laughs> ran over with my family in the car as I was learning how to drive this huge deer. And I had to tell like other family members. Brace, when brace, when I brace. Got home, yeah. It's like, why didn't you just avoid the huge dead deer? Right. That couldn't happen on this drive to Omaha. So I hit this piece of plastic. Once I got to Omaha, um, I went to a store. A lady ran into the store and was like, that Equinox is leaking gasoline all over the parking lot. <laughs> and it sure Called was. the environmental agency. And it sure was. But thankfully, uh, just because it was at the end of the day, I didn't have time to get like a rental car and stuff through insurance. So some uh, a family I know well in Omaha, they hooked me up with their truck. But what I learned was nobody, nobody has ever commented on my Equinox at all, ever. Um, I got more compliments from high school, rural Northwest Iowa high school boys on this sweet truck. They mm-hmm. asked if I wanted to go mudding. <laughs> it was, it was, I was the coolest guy. So Father Travis does off-roading future episodes no, of Outcast yeah, Catholic. I, and I shouldn't do that with, uh, with the Fangman's truck, but, um, I realized like the, yeah, the cool factor that a, that a truck in Northwest Iowa wields is mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. So there's thoughts there for my future ministry, um, uh, of approachability to the, to the Midwest teenager to, you know, have a truck. So we'll okay. see. We'll see how it goes. So w- did did you lose all the gasoline? Well, this is so is there any? No, this is what's terrible about it. I got to Omaha, didn't whatever, as I'm driving, I filled up my tank with gas. Then I realized that I took it to the shop and the entire gas tank had to be replaced. Oh. So I also lost a tank of gas. Oh, I'm sorry. Sad day. I should have asked him to keep that. But anyways... Here we are. Well, I hope you never lose a, ca- a tank of gas again through some really, random really piece of plastic really, slicing through yeah, your I tank. I really appreciate that. Also, like, what the heck type of material is a gas tank made out of that is just totally destroyed by a piece of plastic? I don't know, but you're, I think it's luck. You're lucky that it was a piece of plastic and not metal that it didn't explode. Yeah, I know. Seriously, so praise well, God for that one. Yeah, am I right? Um, yep. So, you know. I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I listen to our own, which is interesting. People don't like their own voices, mm-hmm. um, but do you find yours soothing? I do. do you <laughs> I find yours comforting? Yours quite comforting. <laughs> um, no, I. You get used to it, especially. I became a priest when live stream masses really in vogue. <laughs> they sure. still still are in some ways, so I'm used to hearing my voice recorded. But listen to a podcast the other day. I like listening to Bishop Barron's podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, really awesome stuff. Everybody should know who listens to this podcast that word on fire is kind of crushing the catholic media landscape right now right and they Um, have for like a decade yeah well it's kind of crazy so i was listening to bishop Barron had another interview with jason or jordan peterson um the kind of the psychologist and speaker who gained tons of kind of fame and intrigue over the past couple years they had a interview a couple years ago um, Jordan Peterson has had some health issues, so he's been off the speaking circuit, but they just came together for another interview again. Um, and it was wonderful, but Jordan Peterson has been on Bishop Barron's radar because so many young men in particular who have stepped away from religion have been so attracted to the speaking of Jordan Peterson. And so often his speaking is extremely challenging, very challenging, very challenging. Do you yeah. remember what's the name of his book? He's got like the 12, oh, I don't 12 remember steps or something, but. I don't remember, but he's a Canadian psychologist who, or psychoanalyst rather who goes yeah. around after a successful university career and he, he challenges people, especially young men, to take responsibility for their lives. It's huge, yeah. And to really yeah, change their behavior mm-hmm. by recognizing the responsibility that they, that they need to take. So they're speaking about that and was, it, was, it was interesting because 
as Bishop Barron was kind of complimenting Jordan Peterson's work and, and that challenge that he gives to young men, Peterson asked the question of, well, well, why is, what is the church not doing that? And he wasn't, he wasn't kind of making fun of the church. He's really asking, ought it be, ought the church challenge um, their people more? And as Bishop Barron started to really walk through the theology of ecclesiology, um, the, the theology of the church and what is demanded of the Christian, Jordan Peterson was shocked um, of, well, why, why haven't people responded to that? There is such this call to um, heroic virtue that we see in the lives of the apostles and the saints. But then we look at the church today and we don't see that heroism so readily all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it led to this great discussion that I'd love to kind of hash out with you, Father Shane, that uh, Christianity has just become a hobby among many uh, for so many people that instead of being the central motivating factor of their life, um, that would give them a reason to respond um, to a life of virtue and this heroic adventure that Jordan Peterson talks about so often. It's just a hobby. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like watching a baseball game. I was, I was preaching the, the other day and talking to some friends that when I lived in St. Louis, uh, everybody is a Cardinals fan mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Of course. And growing up here in Northwest Iowa where we don't have any professional sporting teams, it's it's interesting to actually live in a city with these teams, and especially St. Louis is a, an especially baseball type of city. Mm-hmm. But there's different types of fans. Um, I turned into this kind of fair weather fan that I'd wear my free T-shirt that I got from somebody once a year when I'd have my free ticket through the seminary, and I'd stay for about four innings, and then I'd get bored and leave. And I was like, I was a Cardinals fan, and I got what I wanted out of it, so it was fine. Sure. But then there's like the season ticket holders, and they are, I mean – Intense. They're intense. Yeah. Right? And it's like their seats are filled with their bodies or other people's bodies every game. But what I was preaching about and thinking about that I'd love to talk about here is that Christianity is not uh, this hobby um, where you can kind of be more or less in, invested depending on your kind of interests or whatever. Because it seems that a lot of people, well, um, I'll, I'm, I'll be faithful more or less. I'm a, I'm a cultural Christian, but I'll leave the really intense religiosity to the season ticket holders within the church, Mm -hmm. the priests, the nuns, the daily mass goers, older generations. Uh, Father James Mallon in his book, Divine Renovation, uh, we've been discussing this here in our diocese of how that text and, uh, you know, his um, expertise or advice can help rejuvenate a lot of parishes or even diocesan, um, the life of a diocese and the life of parishes. Anyways, he mentions in that book um, that there has to be this sense that um, I just drew a blank. <laughs> well, that's why you have a co-host, that's, Shane. I just drew no a blank. What, 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 what was well, the last thing you just said? We're talking about Christianity as a hobby. Yeah, yeah. Where was I going and with we're that? we're talking about divine renovation and how mm-hmm. it needs to be the motivating factor of your life. While you think, I'll keep talking. Um, cause no, there was an awesome point that just completely escaped it'll, me. It'll come back. It'll come back. Don't, we'll come back to worry. Father Father Mallon. But, you know, I was recently talking to uh, two alumni of my high school who are down in Omaha, in the Archdiocese of Omaha, and they were reflecting on their own high school experiences, and they said it was shocking to us as we look back on that experience to see how many professed Christians in high school, at a Catholic high school, basically had a Monday to Friday lifestyle and a weekend lifestyle. Very dichotomous existence, such that the reality of their lives was not consistent. And there really wasn't one lens by which they understood all of reality, their own relationship to the Lord, 
and their own identity as a son and daughter who's been redeemed by Jesus Christ. That was very clear to them as they've kind of embraced a, a certainly a more adult level of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this reality that you're speaking about, this hobby um, in which people just don't you know really get that excited about it, uh, or at least don't uh, let it kind of imbue their uh, in an appropriated way their whole vision for how they want to live their lives. Um, still hasn't come back to me with Father Malin. It'll come. Don't All right. worry. Don't, don't worry. And when it does, I'll interrupt. Well, I bring this up, especially with having just listened to the Jordan Peterson and Bishop Barron podcast, especially still in this Easter season as we record this podcast, because what's really, what's really unique about the Easter season in the liturgy of the church is normally we have an Old Testament reading, the Responsorial Psalm, a New Testament reading from one of the epistles, usually St. Paul, and then a gospel reading, Responsorial Psalm kind of connecting Old Testament to New Testament and then kind of culminating in the gospel. For the season of Easter, we replace the Old Testament reading with another New Testament reading. Right. Usually walking through the Acts of the Apostles. And it is always so fascinating and incredibly challenging to listen to the Acts of the Apostles proclaimed in the liturgy, especially throughout daily Mass for those of us who are there. Um, but then on Sundays, too, it's, it's a lot like listening to a Jordan Peterson talk where you just feel kind of punched in the gut that what is demanded of me and my lifestyle are are different often. And so I've been thinking a lot about, well, why were these first Christians so incredibly dynamic and bold and confident? And that's so hard to find in the Christian life today. Um, and it's just clear when you hear these apostles um, preaching, especially. So St. Peter, um, the reading that we had on Good Shepherd Sunday, St. Peter says, there is no other way to be saved except through Jesus Christ. He mm-hmm. said, no name Acts in heaven besides the name of Jesus can we be saved. And people hear that and they convert, mm-hmm. just like on the spot. Uh, and then we'll see that at Pentecost when all these people converted through the preaching of the apostles. The apostles have this intense conviction, but it's so apparent in the Acts of the Apostles that the faith for them is not, is not a hobby. But it's not just the apostles, it's that first generation of Christians who would go to their death as martyrs all over the Roman Empire, who would pass on the faith to their children in the midst of persecution. It wasn't a hobby for them. Mm -hmm. It was everything for them. Um, Well, and to be fair, I'm not minimizing anything you're saying, but to be fair, those initial chapters of the Acts of the Apostles are highly dramatic Mm -hmm. because they've been lived in in dramatic events in real time, right? Um, Like. The people who were living in Jerusalem and who heard the message of, of the apostles, particularly right after Pentecost, having been given you know this abundance of the Holy Spirit, these were the same people in the city who experienced the earthquake and the eclipse on Good Friday, right? right. These are the people who, according to Matthew's gospel, you know, dead started to, dead were coming alive, uh, visiting people, saying you know across the city, hey, Jesus is risen from the grave. The, the actual Messiah you just crucified, right? right? And then when these people, meaning the apostles, had been so deeply uh, embedded in a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus, they had a passion and a conviction to stand up and say, you, you people, you just killed not only the Messiah, you just killed my friend, right? <laughs> right? So there, there was a drama to the initial proclamation because these were, these were events in the city of Jerusalem in which the, the electricity of all of that still clung in the air. Mm-hmm. It was still hanging around. There was, 
there was just a charged atmosphere, um, which gives a sense of excitement. And inevitably, with time, mm-hmm. uh, the actual events of the city of Jerusalem, you know, that electricity kind of fades, right? In terms of the events. What doesn't fade, though, and this is probably what, what you're, you're leading us into here, is knowing Jesus personally, the personal relationship of the living God who came to redeem us, which now shapes all of reality, uh, reality of where we came from and where we're going and how we uh, believe and how we think and how we act. That lived experience of the living God, that is obviously what probably needs to be embraced very courageously with a great sense of excitement. We can't necessarily recreate the atmospheric charge in the air of those events of Jerusalem, but knowing the power of the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit active in every single person of this world who just wants to go out and share their story of what Jesus has done for them and their ongoing uh, conversion and the ongoing graces of their lives, just going out and sharing our story might not have the same exact content of what St. Peter and the apostles did initially, but there's no reason why it can't still have the same personal conviction. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for that clarification. Jordan Peterson talking to Bishop Barron his big thing, his like kind of psychological heritage that he passes on is Carl Jung, who talks about like these different archetypes of beha- kind of behavior that we aspire for that we can see through different stories of the ancients. And he focuses a lot on the scriptures and how Jesus is this hero figure, and he's talking about it in secular psychological terms, that that lives this dynamic adventure. And through his speaking, when he really encourages so many young people, um, to live a heroic life um, of responsibility and action was so great to see as a Bishop Barron, he's responding that, yeah, that the Christian life is the most dynamic adventure we could, we could engage. And yeah, it's going to look a lot different than it did for the apostles in their, in their time and their place, but it's the same Jesus. It's the same Holy spirit that's moving us right now. Um, That moves us out of a hobby faith. Um, out of like a cultural Christianity that we still see, especially kind of hanging on um, in some places in the Midwest. Okay, so I just thought of what I was going to say earlier. Maybe it's a sign of age setting Excellent. in. I'm not sure. Definitely. So not. you had mentioned earlier, yes, because I'm so young, right? You had mentioned earlier, <laughs> you had mentioned earlier that um, there is this reality in which Christianity can become this hobby, it's not this lived experience. And those, those really like good churchy people, well, they'll take care of the preaching. They'll take care of it. This is what Father Malin mentions in his book. Uh, there's different ways to define clericalism, and we have talked about clericalism on this podcast series before in terms of maybe clerics who can be pompous or condescending. Father Malin points out another way to look at clericalism in terms of immature believers who want to kind of just maybe sit in the outfield and just watch from a safe distance in their hobby phase of Christianity, which is really an immature embracing of the faith, uh, an immature Im- understanding of, of catechesis of the church, uh, an immature embracing of sacred scripture and appropriating it for themselves. Anyways, he says there's this, there's this you know, level of Christianity that we tolerate as cute, and meaning uh, the masses embrace that, and they look to a few either clerics consecrated religious or a few like all-star lady and they like you know say well you have to go be the professional christians right right 
we will dump kind of the, the clericalistic reality on you. We will settle for our immaturity and we will treat this like a hobby. And yeah, you'll kind of inspire us and, you know, we'll admire you. And maybe a few of us will strive to your levels of professional Christianity mm-hmm. in which you're kind of, you know, you appear to kind of be all in. Uh, Father Malin, I think, does a great job of pointing that out in his Divine Renovation text. Uh, and this is what we see, right? It's, it's a tolerance of an immature Christianity which settles for a hobby uh, embracing of this truth rather than a lived expression of, of, a, of a, a saving truth that has completely uh, shaped one's identity and yeah. one's future. Absolutely. When Christianity, when the Christian life remains um, in practice like a hobby, that's why it's so easy to just sit down, set down. Because it's like, I don't always have to go to a Cardinals game. You know, I just watch from home. Oh, look, that's what's happened a lot today. A lot of, you know, it's just, it's just good enough to watch mm-hmm. it from home. Um, and that's why we see so many young people who feel quite outcast from an experience of the faith. Because maybe the experience of faith that they've kind of bit received has been that of kind of like a hobby. Well, you know, go, go sometimes, come sometimes, come when it makes you feel nice, um, come if you really need it, like a funeral or, or a wedding or something like that. Um, but otherwise, you know, when, when you want to, pick it up. When you don't want to, set it down. It's fine. Right. There's lots of other hobbies you can be doing. You can be doing CrossFit on a Sunday morning at the gym. You can be doing all sorts of other stuff. Um, I think we can just be challenged by the first Christians and the Christians throughout all the centuries that, that that's not what the church offers. That's not what Jesus offers in a life lived in faithful relationship to him. Right. So perhaps just to help our listeners, um, just to keep reflecting on how do I know the living Jesus myself? What, what is really my embrace of the sacraments? What is my embrace of the word of life through scripture? What is my embrace of personal prayer? But then the other thing that I think would be really important for our listeners to understand Father Travis, you've been talking about this dynamic lived witness of the faith. Yeah. That doesn't mean that every listener and every Christian out there needs to go stand in the public square on a soapbox and preach like St. Peter did, you know, after the Pentecost experience on the steps of the temple, right? Right. Um, going through your daily duties. Raising uh, your family. Raising your family, being a nurse at a hospital, you know, taking care of the chores on the farm, whatever they are. Uh, allowing Jesus into the rhythm of that day, uh, uh, welcoming the Holy Spirit and doing a, a real examine of your whole life. Where are the currents of God active in these daily duties? And how do I how do I actually speak of my faith, both with words and with actions to those around me? That's the live witness that we're talking about. That's an embracing of a whole lifestyle of Christianity that is moved beyond just a hobby. So I'm sure we'll keep unpacking these themes more. We will check out that interview between Jordan Peterson and Bishop Barron. And tune in next time to Outcast Catholic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.